Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Audhu billahi s-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa l-udwana illa ala al-zalameen. Wa l-aqibatu lil-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barak ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. So I landed, alhamdulillah, uh, less than an hour before class, but we still made it. And uh, tonight, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to be completing our class on Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, talking about him and the nature of his position, the nature of his standing. Now, I want to make clear that I don't plan to make it a habit to do more than one class per individual. This was an exception. Ali radiallahu anhu and the story of Fatima radiallahu anha were exceptions. I plan to, inshallah ta'ala, keep this at one class per person. But Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu has three main layers to him uh, that we wanted to break up, or I wanted to break up into three different ways. When we first started with Abu Bakr, we talked about this man who would shield the Prophet ﷺ, who believed in him when no one would, who immediately accepted him, built a community around him, uh, freed the oppressed slaves that had believed in the Prophet ﷺ when no one else would, which were the original uh, community of the Prophet ﷺ and shielded the Prophet ﷺ with everything that he had. So we talked about Abu Bakr anhu and his accompanying the Prophet ﷺ in the most difficult times when no one would, which is a very special distinction and a very special first. Last week we talked about the special quality that he had, which was that he would never be undone in his pursuit or beaten in his pursuit to good. When there was a good opportunity in front, Abu Bakr anhu preceded everyone to it, so he was self-motivated, self-driven to every single good. And on top of that, when there seemed to be absolutely no opportunity for good, Abu Bakr anhu turned something into an opportunity for good. He did the unthinkable, he drove himself to do extra good deeds that no one else wanted to do, and the good deeds that everybody else was doing, he was doing better. And that was his special quality, right? That Imam Muzani rahimahullah, he said that Abu Bakr had something, shay'in waqara fi qalbihi. There was something in the heart of Abu Bakr that just exposed him to every good. He had this, this intuition towards good. Anytime he saw a good opportunity, he ran to it. And he didn't wait for anyone else to do it and lead the way. He led the way on every single good. Now the title for this halaqa, this last class in the first about Abu Bakr, is there will, be, there will never be another Abu Bakr. There will never be another one. And I want to talk about this idea of, you know, the Prophet ﷺ sanctifying his status as number one. When we talk about the firsts, this idea that no one could ever overcome the status and the value of that and what we understand from that. Now, the first thing to think about from the origins of Islam or when Islam is starting, Number one, when the Prophet ﷺ sent the first Hajj, the first pilgrimage was made after the Prophet ﷺ had made peace with the people of Mecca and Hajj was allowed. The Prophet ﷺ appointed Abu Bakr anhu as the Amir of Hajj, as the leader of the Hujjaj that went. So the Prophet ﷺ sent a delegation to Hajj uh, a year before he himself would do the Hajj. And he put Abu Bakr anhu in charge of that Hajj. Now Abu Bakr did not accompany the Prophet ﷺ the next year when he went to Hajj. And there's a very specific reason why. Does anyone know? Anybody? Because Abu Bakr had his one and only son in Islam. Right? So his, his only son that was born in Islam, after Islam had come, was born at Dhul Hulayfa, all right? You guys know the Miqat, the station in Medina where you prepare yourself for Hajj, where you transition into Hajj? Abu Bakr anhu's wife, Asma bint Abi Umais, gave birth to his son at the Miqat, <laughs> okay? So at Dhul Hulayfa, in the year that the Prophet ﷺ was going to do Hajj. And what did he name that son, since we talked about naming and how special naming is? What do you think Abu Bakr would name his son, since naming is special? I'll give you a hint, it's the most popular name in the world today. Muhammad. Okay, so the only son that Abu Bakr actually had in Islam was this son, Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr, who was born, who was only two years old when Abu Bakr actually passed, uh, or when, when the Prophet ﷺ passed away, four years old when Abu Bakr anhu passed away. So that prevented Abu Bakr anhu. he didn't go to Hajj 
that particular year. He did accompany the Prophet ﷺ on the conquest of Mecca, which was the return to Mecca after persecution. So Fatah Mecca was when the Prophet ﷺ went back to Mecca uh, after having been run out and persecuted with his companions. And Abu Bakr anhu accompanied him on that journey. And something very special happened that day. The last holdout of Abu Bakr's family, anhu, the last holdout from his family. Remember last week we said that everyone in his family became Muslim. Every single person in his family became Muslim. The last person became Muslim that day. Does anyone know who that was? No, Abdurrahman already became Muslim. Abdurrahman came to Medina. It was just Badr that they had that... Uh, that exchange. His father, his father, Abu Quhafa, his father was the last person to accept Islam. And his father, by the way, would live uh, beyond Abu Bakr. Abu Quhafa would not die until the age of about 97, 98 years old, almost 100 years old, after Abu Bakr anhu passed away. At that point, his hair was white, his, he had lost his eyesight, he was, you know, he was so old. And that was the day he finally embraced the message that was so, so beloved to his son Abu Bakr and he came forth uh, to embrace Islam. Now Abu Bakr anhu, just think of the scene, he brings his father Abu Quhafa who could not walk on his own at that point, his hair and his beard are, are completely white, he's blind and he brings him to the Prophet on that day to accept Islam and the Prophet sees him and says, Ya Abu Bakr, halla tarakta shaykh fi baytihi fadhahabna nahnu ilayhi you, you, why didn't you leave the elderly man in his home and we would have went to him? You didn't have to bring him to me. I would have went to him, you know, because he saw the pain of Abu Quhafa making his way in that elderly age with his son Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu holding his hand to embrace Islam. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, لا أنت أحق أن يؤتى إليك يا رسول الله You are more worthy of being brought to, O Messenger of God. So if it wasn't befitting for me to bring uh, you to Abu Quhafa, but instead I brought him to you despite his old age. So the Prophet ﷺ took his hand and he embraced Islam. He became a Muslim that day. And Abu Bakr anhu started to cry. And when he started to cry, the Sahaba, some of them said, you know, why are you crying? This is a day of joy. Why are you crying? Your father became Muslim. This is what you'd wanted. Your mother, Abu Bakr's mother became Muslim right away. Spouse, children, everyone was Muslim. The last person to believe is his father. Why are you crying? And he said, لِأَنِّي كُنْتُ أُحِبُّ أَنَّ الَّذِي بَايَعْ نَبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَيْسَ أَبِي وَلَكِنْ أَبُو طَالِبْ He said, I had hoped that the one that would stand before, my, before the Prophet this day and take that allegiance would not be my father, but it would be Abu Talib instead, the uncle of the Prophet وسلم, who was like a father figure to him. He said, because that would have made the Prophet happier. I know how badly he wanted that day that his uncle Abu Talib would embrace Islam and he didn't see it, instead he, he saw it with me and my father and I know how much the Prophet wanted that moment. So SubhanAllah, even in those days, even in that moment of intense joy where his father had become Muslim in those moments, he still preferred the Prophet ﷺ to himself. He preferred the happiness of the Prophet ﷺ to himself and wished that the Prophet ﷺ would have had that uh, honor. Now, how solidified? When I said there will never be another Abu Bakr, probably my favorite story about Abu Bakr is this one. Uh, in, in all of the stories about him that sort of show that loyalty of the Prophet ﷺ to those that, that supported him very early on. And there's an important lesson to take from this that you know, there's a recurring theme here with the Prophet ﷺ and how he honored those firsts, right? And a lot of times, once the hard work is done, other people are put forth and we, we fail to honor and respect the people that put in the struggle and the people that put in the hard work. And this was something that the Prophet ﷺ was, was very good about, right? The veterans of Badr had their place, you know? The early Muhajirun, the early people of Mecca that suffered, the Bilal's of the world, those people that almost died in bondage and slavery, supporting the Prophet ﷺ, believed in him with everything. The Prophet ﷺ put them on a pedestal. He honored those early uh, givers. So what kind of honor do you think Abu Bakr anhu has? And Abu Bakr's honor surpasses 
every single other person amongst the companions, including Umar, all right, including Umar bin Khattab. And this is one of my favorite, uh, favorite incidents, if not my favorite story about Abu Bakr and Umar, because I could just do the whole thing on this and just extract lessons about loyalty and love from this. The Prophet was sitting in the masjid, so put yourself in the masjid of the Prophet I'm sitting there in Medina, and Abu Bakr anhu walked in, and he was holding his garments, so he was holding his, his, uh, his lower cloth, and you could see his, his legs, and he looked visibly uh, upset. He looked like he was nervous, he looked like he was hurt, he looked like he was upset. The Prophet looked at him, and he said to the companions around him, it looks like Abu Bakr got into an argument. You know, when you, you know your best friend so well, <laughs> you can identify within the first few moments what type of emotion they're feeling. So he didn't say Abu Bakr is, is anxious or Abu Bakr must be in trouble. Or He said, uh, that's the Abu Bakr that got into an argument. He got into an argument with somebody, right? Something is bothering him, but particularly he must have got into an argument with someone. So as Abu Bakr is walking to the Prophet ﷺ, he already mentioned that to the companions. He, he says to the Prophet ﷺ, As-salamu alayka, peace be on to you. He says, O Messenger of Allah, I and Umar bin Khattab got into an argument. And in the midst of that argument, see, the, even the two best people, the shaykhan, the two shaykhs around the Prophet ﷺ could have an argument, right? They're human beings, they love each other, but they got into an argument. And Abu Bakr anhu, he doesn't throw Umar under the bus. He says that I said some things I shouldn't have said in the midst of that argument. I was wrong. He's making it very clear. He doesn't say, you know how hot-headed Umar is. He doesn't take a shot at Umar. He says, I said some things that I should not have said. And I regretted it. And I apologized to Umar. So I asked Umar to forgive me. And he refused. So I'm coming to you to help me get his forgiveness. You see what's happening here? So I was wrong, Umar was right, but when I apologized, he was so upset that he didn't, he didn't accept my, my apology. So I'm asking you, Ya Rasulullah, to help me seek that forgiveness. So the Prophet ﷺ put his hand on Abu Bakr's shoulder and he said, Ghafar Allahu laka ya Abu Bakr, Allah will forgive you, Abu Bakr. And he said it to him three times, calming him down, don't worry about it, Allah forgives you. Right, so that's the first thing. And as he's saying that, Umar anhu, right after he had the argument with Abu Bakr, he felt bad about it, that he didn't accept his apology. So he went to Abu Bakr's house to find him, to tell him, I forgive you, and he didn't find him there, so he went to the masjid. Umar anhu walks to the masjid, and as he walks into the masjid, the Prophet locks eyes with him, and the Prophet looks extremely upset. Abu Bakr looks at the Prophet ﷺ locking eyes with Umar and he says, Ya Rasulullah, I was wrong. <laughs> it was me, it wasn't him. He didn't do anything wrong. I was the one that messed up. Ya Rasulullah, it's okay. Just that connection, you know, you could see that the Prophet ﷺ was visibly upset with Umar anhu. So Abu Bakr anhu is saying, I was the one who wronged him. And as Umar anhu walks up, Listen to what the Prophet says to Umar ibn Khattab And there are very few times you're going to see the Prophet admonish a man like Umar, who he loves and honors to that, to that level, to that extent. He says to him, listen, Allah sent me to all of you and you people said, you lie. He lies. You denied me. وَقَالَ أَبُوْ بَكِرَ صَدَقَ And Abu Bakr said he's telling the truth. وَوَاسَانِي بِنَفْسِهِ وَمَالِهِ And he supported me with all of himself and all of his wealth. Like no other person. By the way, the word wasani is he gave me his all. It's the same word that the Prophet used to describe Khadija radiallahu anha. وَوَاسَتْنِي Gave me his all. She gave me her all. No one could replace Khadija, right? The time the Prophet admonishes Aisha is when she insults Khadija. Now it's Umar. No one can replace Khadija. No one replaces Abu Bakr. Right? He gave me his all in the very beginning. His self, his wealth, everything. And the Prophet ﷺ puts his hand on Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and he says, فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ تَارِكُوا لِي صَاحِبِي 
Are you people going to leave my companion alone? Can you imagine he's saying that to Umar anhu? Will you people leave this man, this friend of mine alone? And he said it two times Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Abu Darda radiallahu anhu was sitting in the gathering who narrated it. He said, Fama He said, no one dared mess with Abu Bakr after that moment. Like the point was driven to everybody that this was the Prophet's best friend, this was his companion. And the Prophet had a special place for him that no one messed with him. Now realize the Prophet was not speaking to the substance of the argument that transpired in the first place. He was speaking to Umar anhu's reluctance to forgive him and saying that this man had no reluctance in believing in me. And so you should have no reluctance in forgiving him just because of his status with me And again, that same word of wasani, that he supported me, he gave me his all when no one else would give me anything, was very special. The Prophet also said in the hadith of Abu Huraira he said, مَا لِأَحَدٍ عِنْدَنَا يَدٌ إِلَّا وَقَدْ كَافَيْنَاهُ مَا خَلَى أَبَا بَكِرٌ He said وسلم, that every single person who did a favor for us, we have repaid that person. He said, except for Abu Bakr. فَإِنَّ لَهُ عِنْدَنَا يَدًا يُكَافِئُهُ اللَّهِ He said that he has a special place that Allah will compensate him on the day of judgment. I could never pay him back. You imagine that? I've never been able to pay Abu Bakr back. I've never been able to pay him back, but Allah will pay him back on the day of judgment. He said that, and no one's money and wealth benefited me the way that, that, that Abu Bakr's wealth benefited me. I mean the money, the way that he spent on this mission early on. No one benefited me with their wealth the way that Abu Bakr did. And he said, وَلَوْ كُنْتُ مُتَّخِذًا خَلِيلًا لَاتَّخَذْتُ أَبَا بَكْرٍ خَلِيلًا أَلَا وَإِنَّ صَاحِبَكُمْ خَلِيلُ اللَّهِ أَوْ خَلِيلُ الرَّحْمَانِ فِي رِوَايَةٍ صَاحِبَكُمْ خَلِيلُ الرَّحْمَانِ He said, وسلم, if I was to take a special friend, a khalil is a special friend. A khalil is an exclusive friend. You know, you have special friends, but khalil is your exclusive friend, your closest friend. Who does Allah call his khalil in the Quran? Abraham. Ibrahim Islam is the Khalil of God, the Khalil of Allah, the special friend of Allah, right? Now, the way the ulama, the Prophet said that if I was to take anyone as a Khalil, it would have been Abu Bakr, but Allah already took me as a Khalil. The way the scholars talk about that is that only Allah could have more than one Khalil, a human being could only have one. <laughs> so Allah has more than one Khalil. More than one special friend, that exclusivity, because Allah's mercy is different from our mercy, His love is different from our love. But that Khalil is your best friend, your special friend, your exclusive friend. And the Prophet said, if I was to give anyone that status, it would have been uh, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, وَلَكِنَّ صَاحِبَكُمْ خَلِيلُ الرَّحْمَانِ He said, but instead, your uh, companion is Khalil Rahman has been taken as the Khalil of the most merciful. And the Prophet ﷺ, of course, acknowledged this on multiple occasions, none so more than when the Prophet ﷺ was passing away. So when the Messenger of Allah ﷺ was passing away, before people even recognized any signs of him passing away, Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu, he says that the Prophet ﷺ stood up, the Messenger of Allah stood up in the masjid, and he says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَيِّرَ عَبْدًا بَيْنَ الدُّنْيَا وَبَيْنَ مَا عِنْدَهُ فَاخْتَارَ ذَلِكَ الْعَبْدُ مَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Allah has given a choice to one of his servants between that which is in this world and that which is in the hereafter. Now when the Prophet says that, it seems to be that he's just talking about you know, some, some random person or he's giving an example, an, an analogy, right? So he's giving a khutbah, he's giving a sermon. And he says, Allah has given a choice to one of his servants between that which is in this world and that which is in the hereafter. And then he says, and that servant chose that which is with Allah. So that servant did not choose the goodness of this world, that servant instead chose the goodness that is with Allah. Now if you looked at the Prophet ﷺ that day, you would not have noticed him being ill. He didn't look sick yet, he looked fully healthy. So it, you know, it, it just seemed to be another khutbah, another analogy. 
Now, Abu Sa'id anhu, he says that when the Prophet said that, Abu Bakr anhu started to weep. And he said to the Prophet Sallallahu May our mothers and fathers be sacrificed for you, O Messenger of Allah. So an expression of love that may, may, may we all be sacrificed for you, O Messenger of Allah. And Abu Sa'id said we had no idea what he meant by that. And he said that Abu Bakr started to cry and he says, We were all confused by his crying, so we all looked around at each other. Why is he crying so much? That, that statement was not meant to evoke that level of emotion. Abu Bakr is weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And then Abu Sa'id says something funny happened. You know when you see someone crying and you just cry because they're crying? <laughs> so they all started to cry because of the amount of, of, of pain that they saw in the weeping of Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr's crying made everybody else in the masjid cry. What just seemed to be a very standard statement from the Prophet ﷺ impacted Abu Bakr and then by extension impacted everybody else. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he said once again, he says that the person who has favored me most with himself and his wealth is Abu Bakr. And he said, if I was to take a Khalil other than my Lord, I would have taken Abu Bakr as a Khalil. But what keeps us together is the brotherhood of Islam and our friendship. Then the Prophet ﷺ pointed to all of the gates in the masjid. See, the, the companions had doors that opened to the mosque. And the Prophet ﷺ said, all of these doors should be closed. All these doors, shut them. Except for the door of Abu Bakr. Let every other gate be closed to the masjid, except for the gate of Abu Bakr. And by the way, uh, pro tip if you go to Medina, when you enter from Masjid Nabawi, the Masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, Masjid Abu Bakr, five chandeliers, uh, Bab Abu Bakr, the gate of Abu Bakr, which goes straight to the Baqir. Five chandeliers in, you'll see a distinction. That's where the gate of Abu Bakr anhu used to be, where he would enter the masjid from himself. And the Prophet said, everyone else's gate should be shut, except for his gate. Because no matter what I do, I cannot repay this man for what he has done for me. Then the Prophet's health starts to worsen. Then his health starts to deteriorate. And then you find some of these narrations where the Prophet is indicating the leadership of Abu Bakr anhu. A woman comes to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and asks him for something. And she notices that the Prophet is ill and she says, if I, if I come back and you're not here, what should I do? What if I don't catch you, O Messenger of Allah? The Prophet said, if you don't find me, then go to Abu Bakr. So he's directing people towards Abu Bakr anhu. And then when the Prophet, peace be upon him, was too sick to lead the salah, to lead the prayer, he told the companions to appoint Abu Bakr to lead the prayer. Now, Abu Bakr anhu had a problem. His voice was very low and he was extremely emotional. So when he would read the Quran, he would cry. Okay? So his voice was not, would not travel. And back then you didn't have the microphones, right? So his voice wouldn't travel the way that some of the other companions, their voices, would travel. And so Aisha and Hafsa, may Allah be pleased with them, they said to the Prophet why don't you put Umar? Umar has a booming voice. Umar could fill the masjid. Umar doesn't need a microphone, right? Not this Umar, that Umar, all right? Just be clear, I need a microphone. Uh, the Prophet you know, insists, and, and, the, and the way they said, they said that Abu Bakr is asif, he's soft-spoken, he cries a lot, his voice does not travel. And Aisha said, I was concerned about him, right? It's not just, it wasn't about a status thing here. It's, there's a concern, right? People are going to get frustrated. Uh, you know, there's going to be some tension, whatever it may be. Put Umar instead. Umar has a commanding voice. The Prophet said, Muru Abu Bakr, go tell Abu Bakr to lead the people in prayer. Now the Prophet is sick, and then he hears the voice of Umar in prayer instead. The Prophet sat up and he said, Aina Abu Bakr, Aina Abu Bakr, where is Abu Bakr? Where is Abu Bakr? Allah and His Messenger refuse except for Abu Bakr. SubhanAllah, it's an insistence, right? This is not just about someone leading the prayer. This is about appointing someone 
as a clear successor. Let him lead the prayer. And Abu Bakr, the Prophet insisted that Abu Bakr lead the prayer. And so the, Abu Bakr would lead 17 prayers uh, while the Prophet was alive because of his deteriorating health. So he would lead for uh, over three days, three and a half days. And then finally, Aisha narrated that Abu Bakr was leading the people in prayer and the Prophet worked up enough strength to be able to come out and to pray with the people. He came out in a single garment wrapped up barely able to stand on his own. And while Abu Bakr was, was, uh, was starting the prayer, the Prophet sat next to him and prayed. Now, there's an ikhtilaf here, there's a difference. Did the Prophet lead the prayer and Abu Bakr announce after the Prophet or did Abu Bakr lead the prayer and the Prophet pray behind him? It wouldn't be the first time the Prophet prayed behind him. But here, uh, you know, the, the, most of the narrations seem to suggest which that, that the Prophet was too soft in his voice at that time to be able to project. He sat down, Abu Bakr who prayed to his right. The Prophet led Abu Bakr and Abu Bakr led the people. Okay, meaning Abu Bakr was the one that projected the voice and the people followed the voice of Abu Bakr while Abu Bakr followed the voice of the Prophet When the Prophet passed away, Abu Bakr uh, was actually out of the city of Medina he came back to the city of Medina, and this is where Aisha narrates that the Prophet that, that Abu Bakr got down from his horse. He walked past everybody in the masjid. All right? Now, realize when we said that when the Prophet, peace be upon him, passed away, everyone started to cry, everyone started to scream. There was absolute panic in the masjid. Okay? Abu Bakr got off his horse and he walked through the entire scene and he didn't talk to anybody. Went straight to the house of his daughter Aisha, the house of the Prophet Aisha anha says that he came in, he knelt down, he unveiled the face of the Prophet and you can imagine this was the man that preferred the life of the Prophet to himself. Right, this was the man that would throw himself in front of the Prophet ﷺ, take a beating, take death for the Prophet ﷺ. And he's looking at the face of the Prophet ﷺ and he's passed away. So Aisha anha says, Thumma akabba alayhi. He, he fell on the Prophet ﷺ. He put his head on the body of the Prophet ﷺ and he started to weep. And then she said, فَقَبَّلَهُ kissed, He kissed the forehead of the Prophet ﷺ. This is actually one of the how we take the fiqh or one of the rulings of kissing the debt is from this moment where Abu Bakr who kissed the forehead of the Prophet after he had passed away. And realize when the Prophet had passed away, his face was brighter than the moon. It was shining. You know, if any of you have ever seen a righteous person when they pass away and their face, imagine the face of the Prophet when he was dead. So it was shining. And Abu Bakr said, Tibtaya Rasulullah, Hayyan wa Maytan, you are pure, O Messenger. How pure are you, O Messenger of Allah, when you are alive and when you are dead? La yajma'ullahu alayka mawtatain. Allah will not combine for you two deaths. You will not die twice. You will not die twice. Amma al allati kutibat alayk, as for the death that Allah has written for you, you have already died that death. Never again will you suffer, O Messenger of Allah. This is the last death that you will have, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And again, that's the maturity, the understanding that Abu Bakr had. He then walks out to the masjid, and as we said last week, Umar radiallahu anhu, extremely emotional, was threatening the people who said that the Prophet had died. He didn't want to believe it. And he said that the Prophet, like Moses, went to his Lord for 40 days, he'll come back. He's not gone. And he called people hypocrites, munafiqeen. And Abu Bakr anhu said to him, sit down, ya Umar. He didn't sit down. Abu Bakr said it to him again. He didn't sit down. And then Abu Bakr anhu started to speak and everyone gathered around him, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, a sign of his clear leadership. And he said that Muhammad wasallam was not but a messenger. Whoever used to worship Muhammad, then know that Muhammad is dead, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And whoever used to worship Allah, know that God is alive and does not die. 
and then he recited the ayah from Surah Ali Imran, as we had mentioned, and assumed that, that, that understanding, right? Gathered the people back on that understanding in those moments that as much as they love the Prophet and you know, this is something special. Anas And this is actually not a narration, it's in the subtext of one of the ahadith in a tirmidhi. Anas mentions that when Abu Bakr spoke like that, everyone knew that Abu Bakr loved the Prophet most. So it wasn't like someone dismissing the love that the people had for the Prophet If there was anyone that, that was going to be torn apart in those moments, that was going to be on the ground screaming, pounding, crying, whose heart was more broken, it was Abu Bakr anhu. But the fact that he said that, knowing his love for the Prophet that look, we loved him because Allah chose him. We loved him because we loved him. But more than that, we loved him because of who he was. And what he would want from us is to continue that message. The fact that Abu Bakr anhu had that clarity and that command in those moments, showed that his love to the Prophet was also not one that would ever be exaggerated to a point that it would obscure the truth from him. He understood the truth, he understood what the Prophet was meant to achieve, and Abu Bakr was able to, uh, to command that in those moments. And in his first words, assuming the Khilafah, uh, and this is something very uh, interesting about Abu Bakr, is that as much as the Prophet told him that he's the greatest, that he's his best friend, that he's the first of the companions. He never actually believed it. Not, not believed it in the sense that he considered the Prophet not to be truthful, but he never allowed that to, to make him arrogant, right? Believed it in a way that would make him complacent or arrogant and uh, to stop trying, right? So those morning runs that he'd take to the old uh, blind woman out in the outskirts of Medina to cook, cook for her, to wash her clothes, to get things ready when no one else knew, all that was because Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu had this, this, this pursuit, right? And he felt like he needed to do better at all times. And it, that humility showed even in his first address. Now, subhanAllah, uh, today a man who, whose name we won't mention passed away. All right? فَمَا بَكَتْ And no one sheds a tear, right? No one sheds a tear. You think about a leader who commits dhulm, right? And you think about a leader who leaves behind a legacy, a leader of humility. Abu Bakr does not stand up and say that you know who I am and the Prophet said this, 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 this about me. He didn't sit there and quote his virtues. He didn't try to solidify his authority by listing his credentials. What were the, what were the first words out of Abu Bakr's mouth? addressing the Ummah as a, as a successor of the Prophet O people, I've been placed in charge of you, but I'm not the best of you. That's his first sentence, I am not the best of you, but I've been placed in charge of you. He said that if I do good, then support me. If I do bad, straighten me out. You know, we live in an era where you have ulama, people using the imama, using the scholarship, the turban, to solidify dictators and oppressive rulers and say, this is the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ said, you've got ta'at wali al-amr, you got to support wali al-amr. This is support. Unsur Support your brother when he's oppressed and when he's oppressing. This is how you support a leader. You stop them when they oppress. And Abu Bakr anhu is setting a clear tone. When I do well, support me. When I do wrong, straighten me out. Get me right. Give me the advice that I need and put me on the path that I need to be put on. As-sidqu amana wal-kathibu khiyana. He said anhu that truthfulness is a trust. As-sidqu amana here, what he means is that you know, as a Siddiq, as the most truthful person, the greatest quality of leadership is integrity. So the manifestation of Siddiq, the manifestation of truthfulness in leadership is integrity, right? A lack of corruption. A Siddiq, amana, wal kadib, and the greatest manifestation of lying and dishonesty in leadership is betrayal, the betrayal of people's trusts. And by the way, that, when the Prophet ﷺ said, and this is very important, the Prophet ﷺ said that of the signs of the Day of Judgment, 
that trust is lost. And what, what was the Prophet talking about when he said trust is lost? He said that the righteous leaders pass away, right? So he, he connected the loss of righteous leadership to the loss of trust, okay? So subhanAllah, the most essential quality to be found in a leader is truthfulness, integrity. Abu Bakr anhu is the most truthful, hence he's the most deserving leader, leader the most honorable and noble leader. Why? Because he recognized this. As-sidq amana wal kadhibu khiyana. Ati'uni ma ata'atu Allah wa rasoolah. Fa'idha asaytu Allah wa rasoolah. Fala ata'ata li alaykum. Again, once again reiterating. Follow me so long as I follow Allah and His Messenger. If I don't follow Allah and His Messenger, there is absolutely no binding uh, obedience on your part. Okay, and this is just a, a, you know, this is the core theme, the message that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is giving. And subhanAllah, he is the first person to assume leadership in this ummah. You would think that a man in that, st in that state would fear the loss of, uh, the loss of obedience, the, the inability to be able to control people, the inability to be able to, to properly govern because you're not Muhammad sallallahu right? You've got these people that are already saying we're not paying zakah anymore. You've got these people that are already saying that we have a new prophet, right? You've got all these people that are taking advantage of the situation that this is no longer the prophet in charge, right? But Abu Bakr who's setting a tone of humility. And the amazing thing is that by that tone of humility and integrity, he won the ummah, right? He was able to govern properly. Abu Bakr was the only one of Khulafa al-Rashidin not assassinated. Right? I mean, Abu Bakr anhu gained the trust of the people by his transparency and his clear ikhlas, his clear sincerity to Allah, to the Messenger, and to them. Right? And so that's the tone that Abu Bakr anhu sets from the very beginning. That way you know that when that leader takes a tough stance, they're not taking it from a place of power and domination and control. They're taking it from a place of trying to uphold the truth properly. And this is, I said, one of my favorite stories, another favorite story. And by the way, we learn, again, the tarbiyah of Umar came at the hand of Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr raised Umar as a leader. He taught him what it was like to be a leader. After the Prophet who taught them all how to be leaders. Umar learned from Abu Bakr how to be a leader, how to be a balanced mind. Uh, there was a situation that arose where the Prophet appointed a 17-year-old, Usama bin Zayd. Usama bin Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the son of a freed slave, right? So you already got the lineage issue, right? He was black, very black radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So you got the race issue, all right? He's chipping away at all of their, their, their old biases, right? You've got the age. He's 17 years old, and the Prophet put him in charge of the Muslim army, and you've got the, the veterans of Badr. Usama radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a baby when Badr happened. <laughs> and you've got these people, and they all have to line up behind Usama bin Zayd radiallahu anhu. So some of the elders of the companions didn't like that. And when the Prophet passed away, Usama radiallahu anhu had been appointed as the leader of the Muslim army. And some of the Sahaba told Umar ibn Khattab, they said, look, we know you have Abu Bakr's ear. Right? We know you can talk to Abu Bakr. So why don't you go to Abu Bakr? You know, why don't you delay things a bit? Take some time to think about this. And if you're going to go forth, then why don't you put someone who's older than Osama in charge? Okay, so they didn't bring up the tribalism issue. They didn't bring up race. They didn't bring up those things. It was age. We, are, we have people that are senior that have fought in a million battles. Maybe, yeah, Abu Bakr, you can consider someone else. Okay? So Umar goes to the house of Abu Bakr, the Sahaba go with Umar, all right? Umar, huge, big man, booming voice, intimidating. Abu Bakr, as we said, very skinny, not physically intimidating at all, soft-spoken, not physically intimidating at all. Umar radiallahu anhu walks into the house, the Sahaba are waiting outside. Umar radiallahu anhu says, uh, you know, Abu Bakr, some of the Sahaba are saying that maybe you should consider placing one of the heads of the Ansar or the elders of the Muhajireen in charge instead of Usama bin Zayd. Maybe he's a little bit young and you can you know, take some time to reconsider this. Umar anhu Abu Bakr anhu grabs Umar's beard. He pulls him to his face. 
So small, you know, again, physically small, but a giant of a man, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, pulling Umar radiallahu anhu and saying, wait, 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 hold on. You, the one that was going around Hudaybiyah, alasna ala al-haqq, we're the ones on the truth, aren't they on the... You, now you're saying this? And he pulls Umar radiallahu anhu and he looks him in the eye, and this is his brother. Abu Bakr and Umar are the two closest of the companions after the Prophet They are the hearing and the sight of the Prophet That's how the Prophet described them. And he says to him, May your mother lose you, O Umar. Which was an expression. It wasn't a dua against the person because the Prophet said it to Mu'adh. And he certainly was not asking for something bad to happen to him. But it was the expression of the Arabs. Uh, like, you know, uh, one to express, you know, uh, shock at what was said. Right? So when Mu'adh asked the Prophet would people be charged for what they say with their tongues, the Prophet said, Thakilatka ummuka, ya Mu'adh, may your mother lose you, O Mu'adh, which was the which was an expression to the Arabs that they had back then. So Thakilatka ummuka, ya Umar, may your mother lose you, O Umar. Do you want me to do something different than what the Prophet did? You want me to disobey the Prophet's orders? He gave an explicit order to put Usama ibn Zayd in charge. You want me to do that? Now Umar radiallahu anhu was not offended, Umar radiallahu anhu was not like, let go of my beard and let's fight. Who do you think you are? You, you know, you're a Khalifa already and you think, no, no. Umar radiallahu anhu was embarrassed. Put his head down and he said, no. And he apologized to Abu Bakr for even bringing up the thought. Umar walks out. All of the Sahaba that were concerned are waiting outside the house. And they see Umar radiallahu anhu walk out with his head down. And they say, what happened, Ya Umar? He said, may all of your mothers lose you. <laughs> he said, you made me upset Abu Bakr, and I hate upsetting Abu Bakr. I don't like to make Abu Bakr mad. Abu Bakr is not a man who gets mad much. You made me upset Abu Bakr. I hate getting Abu Bakr upset. Right? So subhanAllah, Umar knew that what Abu Bakr said was not out of arrogance or pride. He wasn't trying to discipline him. He was, that's, a, that's a close brother. He knows what he was saying was out of putting the sunnah first. That, the, that what the Prophet said comes first. And he wanted, you know, he clearly wanted to deliver that message to Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu carried on, and as we said, he was able to set this vision the way that he was able to set this vision. Um, and I'm not going to go into the details of his khilafah. But I'll just say that subhanAllah, in two years, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, if you remember that dream, the Prophet had this dream where he saw uh, a well. And the Prophet drew from this well, and then he gave the bucket to Abu Bakr, and Abu Bakr drew from this well. And the Prophet said Abu Bakr was not able to draw much. And then Umar took the bucket, and Umar gave water to everyone and everything around. And I'll bring this up again later on, inshallah, but specifically in the context of Abu Bakr, what it means for him. Umar took the water and he gave water to all the people and to all the animals. Umar was strong, drawing from that well. And the Prophet was speaking about the nature of their khilafah. What Abu Bakr was able to do in that two and a half years of being the Khalifa was basically to set the vision of the Prophet as the trajectory. To plug all the holes, right? The, the, the hufad of the Qur'an are being killed. The people who memorize the Qur'an are being killed. People are refusing zakah now. People are claiming new prophethood. Abu Bakr anhu plugged it all in and handed that bucket to Umar. And Umar was able to execute based on what he learned from the Prophet and Abu Bakr anhu in a way that made him a balanced leader and in a way that allowed him to take that message to the whole world in such a beautiful way. May Allah be pleased with them all. So Abu Bakr anhu in two and a half years literally held it together literally held it together, made sure that Islam post-Prophet Muhammad would stay true to what he brought, kept it upon that anhu. And when Abu Bakr anhu was just two years into this khilafah, um, Aisha says that he took a cold shower one day and he got sick. And for two weeks, Abu Bakr anhu's condition worsened. And he started to have fevers. And again, you know, subhanAllah, back then, they don't diagnose the way that we diagnose things, right? It's a fever and you died, right? A cold fever, some sort of sickness and you died, right? So he started to, to develop a fever. He started to deteriorate, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And in those two weeks, 
Abu Bakr asked Aisha a few questions. The first thing he said, he said, I want you to go to my wealth. I want you to see the money that I have. And he said, I want you to compare the amount that I have now to the amount that I had before I assumed the Khilafah, before I became the Khalifa. If there is any discrepancy in that amount, then it is not from my money. You give that to, you, you put that back in Baytul Mal and that goes to the next Khalifa to, 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 to deal with. You know, what that means is that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, again, this was the man who didn't want to leave a single good deed after becoming the leader. He did not want to do anything that would uh, compromise his reputation, compromise his place after, uh, after that, that, that moment radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And so here he's saying that don't include this in my inheritance if you find a single discrepancy and there was only a few dirhams that she was able to find uh, where there was a discrepancy. Then Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he asks Aisha, he says, how old was the Prophet when he died? So she said he was 63. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, alhamdulillah, I'm 63. Right? So he, he took joy that he was the same age as the Prophet when he passed away. And he knew the answer, but he was you know, reaffirming it, right? Then she said, and then he said to Aisha, and how did, what was he buried in, right? What were the cloths that he used? So she said that he used three cloths, three white cloths from Yemen, alayhi salatu wasalam, that he wrapped himself in, which is what we normally do with the kafan, right? The three white cloths. So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, then I want to use three pieces as well. And uh, he took two that he already had, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and he asked Aisha to purchase a third one. Aisha radiallahu anha said, Oh my father, we have enough where we could purchase all three. You don't have to just purchase one. Right? You don't have to use old clothes to, for your kafan. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anha, look at that vision, subhanAllah. He said that the new clothes will be more beneficial to those that are living than those that have died. I have no benefit from getting new clothes <laughs> or a new kafan. He said, the cloth, the kafan for the dead body is meant to absorb the blood of the body and to cover its aura and to cover it. I don't need new clothes. I don't need new sheets. Even if we have enough money, it, it's better. It's of more benefit to the, to the living. It would do better in charity. So just purchase one more white sheet that I would need for my kafan. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this is, subhanAllah, very, uh, you know, this is very special. It's a poetic death and one that would only be befitting to a person like that. Abu Bakr anhu takes his own kafan, his own garment. He lays down and he says to Aisha anha, what day did the Prophet die? She said it was a Monday. The Prophet said, or, 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 or then Abu Bakr anhu said, and what is today? She said it's Monday. Abu Bakr anhu smiled and he said, Insha'Allah, al-yawm, today. <laughs> Meaning, I want to go today. I want to die the same day, in the same cloth, the same age. Everything, subhanAllah, his life was in accordance with the Prophet I want my death to be like the death of the Prophet And Abu Bakr anhu, he laid down and he, he started to, to shiver from the strength of his uh, of his fever or the, or the deterioration. And he reminded Aisha anha about the hadith of, or the three moons or the time that she saw three moons. Aisha had a dream uh, where she had three moons descending in her, in her room. We talked about this in the story of Khadija, right? And she asked Abu Bakr who used to interpret dreams what it meant and Abu Bakr anhu said, three righteous people are gonna be buried in your home. And when the Prophet died and was buried in her home, he said, that's your first moon. The second moon was him. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was dying in the same house that the Prophet died in. The Prophet is under the ground, Abu Bakr is above the ground. And so the, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is the second of those three moons. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu leaves this world reciting the same verse over and over and over again. It was the, the words of Joseph, of Yusuf alayhi salam. When Yusuf was dying and he said, Tawathani Musliman wa alhiqni bisalihin. Allow me to die as a believer and follow in the path of the righteous. Allow me to die in the, as a believer and follow in the path of the righteous. And Abu Bakr was repeating that over 
and over and over again. How did the Prophet ﷺ die? What were the words on the lips of the Prophet ﷺ? Al-Rafiq al-A'la. Oh Allah, the highest companionship. Abu Bakr, oh Allah, let me join those highest companions. Right? That's what he meant. That's what he meant when he kept on saying, allow me to follow in the righteous. Uh, Aisha radiallahu anha witnessed the death of the Prophet ﷺ and she witnessed the death of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And it was no sooner than the last word of that ayah escaping his lips radiallahu ta'ala anhu that Aisha radiallahu anha says that he took a breath and he died. Subhanallah, last words. Tawaffani musliman walhiqni bisaliheen. His last word being salihin, the righteous. He breathes his last radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He died between the hours of Maghrib and Isha, 63 years old, like the Prophet in the house of the Prophet on the same day that the Prophet died, in the same kafan that the Prophet was, was buried in. And subhanAllah, when he died, he was buried, like if you go now and you say salam, it's the sunnah, as you, as you pass by, what's a recommended act when you go through Medina and you say, Assalamu alayka ya Rasulullah, and then you say salam to Abu Bakr and Umar, you greet, you greet them all with peace. And you know, as you're walking from the men's side, so the women's side is actually closer to the bodies themselves. It's closest to the body of the Prophet A lot of times people think it's three windows, so the heads are this way, right? But what it actually is, is that the Prophet is buried closest to the women's side, his face facing the Qibla, okay? So actually this way. His face is facing towards the prayer direction, towards the Qibla. So when you walk by and you say, Assalamu alaikum ya Rasulullah, the Prophet's body and face is facing towards you. And then you walk over, Abu Bakr anhu was buried just next to the Prophet with his head, the top of his head at his shoulder. SubhanAllah, it's so beautiful that even the way that they are situated. And then Umar anhu, the same way with Abu Bakr anhu, is like this. Okay? So when you are saying salam, you're closest to the body of Umar anhu. It starts the Prophet and then the head of Abu Bakr right next to the shoulder of the Prophet also facing towards the direction of prayer, the Qibla, and then the head of Umar also facing towards the third moon, facing towards that, uh, that Qibla. And uh, I want to end, subhanAllah, with, with these few statements. And this is a, a long one. Um, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Usayd ibn Safwan, he says, the day that Abu Bakr died, and this, is, this tells you something. He said that Medina wept like it did the day the Prophet died. The people of Medina, again, the buka, the, the crying that you heard in the city of Medina was like the crying that you heard the day that the Prophet died. There were only two times you heard that level of, 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 of crying. And he narrates this beautiful incident with Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now remember, Ali was the most eloquent. And Ali's eulogy at the body of Fatima radiallahu anha, standing at the graveside of Fatima, was, is probably the most painful words you'll hear from a person bidding farewell to their beloved ones. Uh, Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu came to the the, the, the side of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and he shares some of the most beautiful words. And I'm not going to be able to go through the whole of it. It would take me about 10 minutes to read the whole thing. He starts to mention the virtues of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu in a poetic way that only Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu could. And I'm just going to recite just a few sentences from it. You could find the whole ritha uh, or the whole, the whole aza of Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu for Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. He said, Rahimakallah. Ya Abu Bakr, may Allah have mercy on you, O Abu Bakr. Kunta awwal al-qawmi islaman wa akhlasahum imanan wa ashaddahum yaqeenan. You were the first of the people to become Muslim, the most sincere of them in faith, and the most uh, certain of them, in, or, or, or the strongest of them in your certainty. And then he starts to mention, he says, Kunta indahu bimanzilat al-sam'i wal-basar. You were to the Prophet what hearing and sight is to a person. You were his hearing and you were his sight. صَدَّقْتَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ حِينَ كَذَّبَهُ النَّاسِ You believed in him when everyone else called him a liar. فَسَمَّاكَ اللَّهُ فِي تَنْزِيلِهِ صِدِّيقًا So Allah named you in his revelation 
As-Siddiq, the most truthful of them. And he says, وَآسَيْتَهُ حِينَ بَخِلُوا And آسَيْتَهُ means you, you supported him when others had deserted him. وَكُنْتَ مَعَهُ عِنْدَ الْمَكَارِهِ حِينَ قَعْدُوا And you remained firm by his side when others had left him. And then he says, وَصَاحَبْتَهُ فِي الشَّدَائِدِ أَكْرَمَ السُحْبَةِ and you were there with him, with your companionship, in the most beautiful and most noble of ways. Thaniyath name, the second of the two. Wasahibuhu fil ghar, and his companion in the cave, referring to that uh, that moment uh, that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala refers to in the Hijrah, when the Prophet and Abu Bakr were together in Ghar Thor, wal munazzal alayhi sakina, and the one on whom Allah descended tranquility. So Ali radiAllahu anhu is referring. Uh, to those moments. And there's so much to be said in, the, in these words. Again, you could, you could look up the whole eulogy of Ali for Abu Bakr. But there's, there's, there are a couple of lines that just that stuck out to me. He says, Kunta You were the softest of them in voice, or you had the lowest voice amongst them, but the highest amongst them in distinction. You had the lowest voice, but the highest honor. Abu Bakr anhu had such a soft voice with such a high distinction. وَكُنْتَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَبًا رَحِيمًا إِذْ Beautiful. He says, you were to the believers like a merciful father when they suddenly became orphans. When the Prophet ﷺ passed away, he was الأب, I am to you like a father. أعلمكم, I teach you. So he said to Abu Bakr, you were like a merciful father when we all suddenly became orphans. Sabaqta wallahi sabqan ba'ida. You have, have gone forth. Sabaqta. We talk about the first. This is why Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is the irreplaceable first, the ultimate first, and no one ever gets to touch that first. He says, you have, you have uh, surpassed everyone with a distance that cannot be reached by anyone else. The Prophet said, about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu ma tala'at al-shams wa la gharabat ala ahadin ba'd nabiyyina wal mursaleen khayran min Abi Bakr that the sun has not risen or set on anyone after the messengers or the prophets that is better than Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and by the way it's important to mention that the prophet sallallahu did not just say he's the best of this ummah he said he's the best after the prophets and the messengers. There is no person who is not a prophet of Allah or a messenger of Allah that could surpass this man His status is sanctified as the first after the prophets and the messengers of Allah. May Allah send his peace and blessings upon them all. And I'll end with this hadith where Abu Hurairah says that the Prophet said, Jibreel Gabriel, took me by the hand and he showed me the gate of paradise, the gate of Jannah that my people would enter from. So this is the night of Al-Isra' wal-Mi'raj, the night where Abu Bakr would actually receive the name Siddiq, the truthful one, because he believed the Prophet on that night when everyone else uh, had hesitations. So he said, the Prophet was describing, he said, Jibreel showed me that gate that my people would enter Jannah from. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, waditu anni kuntu ma'aka hatta anzura ilayhi. He said, how I wish that I could have been there with you. I could have seen it. <laughs> I've been with you all this time. I've been with you in every significant moment of your life. Your best friend, right? Abu Bakr was with the Prophet on every one of his expeditions from the very start to the very last moment. But he couldn't go with him on Isra' al-Mi'raj. No human being could travel with him on that night to the heavens. So he said, I wish I could have been there with you so I could see that gate, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet said to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, أَمَا إِنَّكَ يَا أَبَا بَكِرُ أَوَّلُ مَنْ يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ مِنْ أُمَّتِي You are, O Abu Bakr, the first person who will enter paradise from my nation. So subhanAllah, that first person entering into Jannah after the Prophet from this Ummah is Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. We ask Allah to send his peace and blessings upon his Messenger the Prophets and Messengers, his family and companions. And we ask Allah to make us amongst those who follow in that path. We ask Allah to 
allow us to take from those good qualities what we can. And we ask Allah that even if we cannot surpass Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu in rank, that perhaps Allah join us with him and with the Messenger وسلم, and the companions and those great ones by virtue of our love for them. Allahumma ameen.